Let's pray real quick and then we'll have a seat. Father in heaven, you're good. And I pray, Lord, that those words that we sang tonight, that we lifted our voices up to, they land on us tonight in an unusual way. I pray, Lord, as I've been praying earlier and all day long, that your Holy Spirit would meet, to it, meet with us tonight, that you would teach us, Lord. I don't know what each person in this room needs to hear. I don't know where they come in, what point, where stressed or happy or blessed or burdened. I don't know these things, but I know you do. And I know it's not an accident that we're all in this room tonight, Lord. I know we're here intentionally to come meet with you and you've prompted us and we've been obedient to show up. So Father, I pray out of our obedience and our faithfulness that we would receive a blessing tonight of you speaking to our hearts. Speak to each one of us as we need spoken to, Lord, tonight. Meet with each one of us where we need met and help us, Lord, just help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to learn about you, to grow in you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Well, welcome again to Inside Out. It's nice to see you guys tonight. And I am glad that you chose to be here because I get to tell you what God's laid on my heart that I've been studying for about the last week. So when I was a kid in Orange County, California, Artesia, California to be exact, 11723, 173rd Street, Artesia, California. That's where I grew up as a kid. Little bitty house. My brother and I, we had friends down the road, Lincoln and Brian, and we would play one of my favorite games. My brother and I would love to play this game because we were always the oldest ones on the block, and we got to play follow the leader. And we would basically play the game. If you played that as a kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where you do things, crawl things, go through things, go over things, and the kids behind you have to follow you. Well, obviously, us being the oldest one, we made it hard for the other kids to follow us. Brian and Lincoln always failed at it miserably. But follow the leader is kind of that theme I want to talk about tonight. We talked about this a little bit last week with Elisha, Elijah, and Elisha. And if I goof those names up tonight, please give me some grace, because those are two names that are, I'm going to be talking about a lot tonight, okay? I want to look at their life. But last week, we talked about that idea of don't look back, of watching Elisha when Elijah came up, remember last week we talked about this, Elijah came up, Elisha was in the field, he had his hands on the plow and his feet in the dirt, he was a farmer. And Elisha was doing his job, plowing the ground, going to school, whatever that is that our daily experiences of life bring us, and all of a sudden the prophet, one of the most famous prophets in the Bible, Elisha, or Elijah, see I already goofed it up, Elijah comes up and throws his cloak, a coat, a covering, a blanket, a shawl if you will, over Elisha, and what Elisha did then, and Elijah went walking off. Remember, Elisha went back, and what did he do? He burned the plows. He, he, he slaughtered his oxen, burned the plows, cooked the oxen with the stuff from the plow, and then he basically went off and followed Elijah. There's debate on how long this was in between uh, 1 Kings chapter 19 and 2 Kings chapter 2 that we'll look at tonight. Six to ten years is how long this took place. So you have Elisha, who basically has no intent of going home. We learned that last week. He burned everything in his life, burning the plows, burning the ships. This year, being intentional about your faith, not ever going back to your old life again, but walking forward from henceforward with keeping your eyes fixed on. For Elisha, it was Elijah. For us, it's Jesus. Our leaders, the small group leaders in your group that we talked about last week, how they'll lead, and we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight. So Elisha's following Elijah. He's his apprentice. He's his disciple, if you will, okay? And a disciple is simply this, a follower. That's what a disciple is, just a follower. That's it, okay? So you see Elisha 
following Elijah for probably six to 10 years, and you never hear of Elisha doing anything. There's no miracles at this point up to uh, 2 Kings chapter 2 that we'll read here in just a minute. Elisha's done nothing other than in 1 Kings chapter 19, make a decision to be Elijah's disciple and follow him no matter where he went. I want you guys to hang on to that idea of following. But Elijah, I got a question. I want you guys to turn to your table real quick. It's not a real, it has a little bit to do with tonight, but not a lot. But I'm curious to see what the discussion would be. Turn to your tables, talk amongst yourselves for just a minute or two. What do you think heaven's gonna look like? What do you think heaven's gonna look like? Because we talk about following someone. We're gonna follow Jesus until we hear the words, well done, good and faithful. Servant, I hope, right? So turn to your tables. What do you guys think heaven will look like? We're not really gonna talk in depth about that tonight, but I'm curious to see what the conversation is. Do that and we'll come back up to the front of the room in just a minute. Okay, back to the front of the room. I will go somewhere with that in just a minute, but I wanted to make sure that we got a little bit of discussion. Um, I will hopefully, Lord willing, be doing a series on heaven coming up here before the first of the year. Hopefully, I'm, I'm, I really want to do one just to kind of get some clarity on that. Okay, so we got Elisha and Elijah. They've been following, Elisha's been following Elijah for six to 10 years, and all of a sudden, something happens in chapter two of 2 Kings. But I got a question for everybody. If, you, if I talked to you earlier, please do not answer. But I'm looking for you guys to shout out the answer what I'm looking for, okay? Elijah, we'll talk about this in a second, was, was one of two people in the Bible that never died, okay? The other one is? Enoch. Enoch is the other one. I love this story. It says Enoch was walking with God, and then he was no more. God took him to heaven, just like that, okay? So Elijah was another one who didn't die, and God took him to heaven. I have a question. How did God take him to heaven? Anybody that I didn't talk to earlier? Wrong answer. Chariots of fire is not right. Whirlwind. Whirlwind. Very good. We're going to talk about that because there's a beautiful picture that I want to get into in just a second. But what I want to do tonight is I want to do this a little bit different. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to back back up into the bulletin. But you guys have the scripture on your bulletin. So if you want to follow along, that would be great. Okay? Because it says here, let's read this real quick. Second, Second Kings chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through probably 15. I'll break this down as I go. So for those of you that have been in a Bible study with me before, this will be familiar. Hang in there. I'll get through it, I promise, okay? Because I'll have to use a lot of words. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a what? Whirlwind. Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Here's what I want to talk about tonight. When you see this in the Bible, this is such a beautiful picture, you guys, because you see two people here from two different generations, okay? Um, Silas, come stand up here with me, will you, buddy? Come here. So you've got Elijah. Hello, I'm Elijah. And you've got, say hi to Elisha. Say, what's up, Elisha? This is Elisha. We have two generations of people that we're talking about tonight. I want you guys to know my heart on this. This is such a powerful thing. Years ago when I was in the junior high room, I had this idea that God laid on my heart that if I could take the older generation and the younger generation and bring them together, I think it would be an absolute collision for Christ. 
because you've got the older generation with the wisdom and the knowledge and you've got the younger generation with the energy to push the older generation along. And it gives the older generation a reason to continue to grow and to follow God and to watch you guys. So I told you a thousand times, you guys are such an encouragement to guys like me that are longer in the tooth than you are to watch your energy, to watch your love, to watch your desire to follow those in the lead and learn about the Lord and be good disciples. Have a seat. Because I think what you see here is you got Elijah, who is known as a fiery prophet, calls down fire from heaven. This is Elijah. He's so awesome. And then you've got Elisha. Elijah was known as a hairy guy. Elisha, if you read Elisha or uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, a bunch of kids came along and made fun of Elisha because he was bald. And a bunch of bears came out and ate the kids. That's such a great story. So don't make fun of me, okay? Because that would be bad for you. So you've got two generations, two different personalities, but you see unity in something here. And what you see is koinonia, fellowship. They have something in common. You know what it is? They both love God, and they have a desire to follow God. So you have Elisha, Elijah, the, the fiery prophet, but you have Elisha. And I heard it put this way in my studies. He was a steady disciple. You guys have always heard me talk about this. I want to be on my tombstone. I wanted to say he was obedient to the Lord. Immediately obedient like we talked about last week. Not when I feel like it, but when God calls me. Elisha was immediately obedient to Elijah, and Elijah was obedient to God by going and finding Elisha. You see a picture of obedience tonight and a steady disciple in Elisha. I want you guys to have a desire in life to follow as Elisha does tonight. We'll find how he follows Elijah. Because when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, called down fire from heaven, Jezebel says, I'm gonna have you dead the next day. Elijah makes a run for it. He says he takes his servant and he goes down. I think it was Bethel. Don't hold me to that, but I think it was Bethel is where they went. And it says there that Elijah left his servant there. And then Elijah went on by himself into a cave all alone. <clears throat> See, I think as I read this in just a minute, I think, personally, Elijah had to tell Elisha that story of how he went when he made a run for it from running from Jezebel, went down and left his servant in one place and he went on without his servant. I can't help but wonder if somewhere along the way they didn't have a conversation and Elijah told Elisha how he left his servant behind and his servant stayed and let Elijah go on alone. Because it says here, you'll get the hint as I read this, Elisha was never going to leave Elijah. I ask you a question. When I counsel with young couples in premarital counseling now, and one of the first questions I ask them is this, and I'm going to roll this into your life in just a second. I have a couple sitting before me, and I will ask them. I said, don't look at each other, look right at me. If you ever give me the opportunity to do your premarital counseling, you will hear me say this, won't you, Clark? I asked him, the first question I asked him is, what is it? Is there anything that would cause you to divorce this other person? Is there anything this other person would ever do to you that would cause you to divorce them? Because if there is, wait to get married. And you pray that God takes whatever that is that might cause you to divorce another person until that's off the table, don't you get married. Because there can't be a back door. There can't be a plow to go back to. You have to burn everything behind you to go forward. You understand? You picking up what I'm laying down? Here's my question for you. 
If Elisha was a steady disciple and was never gonna leave Elijah, shouldn't we be the same way with Jesus? But I got a question for you, young people, and those of us that are a bit older. What's the one thing in your life that could happen that would cause you to divorce God? That would cause you to go, Lord, I can't. Loss of a child, a divorce, sickness in your family. I'm not doing this. This is way beyond anything I expected, Lord, in our relationship, so I'm done. What, what, what is it? I pray that there's never anything, you guys, that would cause you to do that with Jesus. Never, because I wanna be a steady disciple like Elisha following Elijah. I'm never going to leave you. You understand? Let's move on. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and, the, and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets at Bethel came out and said to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Somehow, don't, expe- don't ask me to explain it. It doesn't make it clear in scripture. But everybody knew the school of prophets, Elisha and Elijah knew that today was the day that God was gonna take him. Today was the day that he knew God was gonna take him to heaven in a whirlwind. How that was known, I don't know, but here's my question for you. See, this idea is if today was the day for you and you knew that today was the day, what would you do different? I want you guys to talk about that at your tables. If today was the day that God was gonna come back and get you, what would you do different to, be pre- to prepare to be ready for that? Elisha says, yes, I know, so be quiet, leave me alone. Um, and he goes on to say, then Elijah said, stay here. Uh, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. A company of prophets in Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that today the Lord is going to take your master um, from you today? Yes, I know, he said. That's Elisha. Yes, I know. So be quiet. That be quiet is quit trying to distract me. I'm on a mission. Every time I'm talking to you, I'm losing the one I'm supposed to be following. See, the devil's gonna do his best to distract you from following the Lord. And when you look over here, all of a sudden you look up and you're like, where am I at? How did I get there? You, so Elisha's like, leave me alone. Be quiet. Stop distracting me. Yes, I know it, so be quiet. Then Elijah said, stay here. And he said, nope. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And then they went, they walked on from there. The two of them walked on. 50 of them, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place that the jor at the jordan and elisha took his cloak rolled it up remember the cloak that we talked about that he laid on elisha elijah took the cloak that he had done rolled it up and struck the water with it then he divided the water from the right to the left and they crossed over on dry ground every once in a while is it just nice to put yourself in scripture you have elisha and elijah finally make their way to the jordan river and they're standing there and the water's flowing. And all of a sudden, Elijah takes off his cloak, rolls it up, and he whacks the water with it, and the water parts from right to left, and they cross over on what? Dry ground. ground. Don't ask me to explain it, but for somehow or another, the water parted and the ground was dry. It was not hard for them to cross over. They crossed over on dry ground. When When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha said, or Elisha replied, I'll get into that in a minute. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet, I like the condition here, yet, if, the ifs in the Bible, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. 
And as they were walking along and talking together, couldn't you imagine what that had to be like? Imagine what it's like to walk along and just have a, a conversation with Jesus. See, because I believe I don't want to go to heaven unless Jesus is there. That's one thing I'm looking forward to in heaven is meeting the Lord face to face and walking with him and having conversations with him and all the other heroes of the Bible. But they were walking along together and suddenly, I love this picture, please picture this. These two, these two prophets are walking along and suddenly out of nowhere, a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and watch, and separated the two of them. Elisha was never going to leave Elijah. It took the Lord to separate these two. That's how dedicated Elisha was to Elijah. So it says it come along and it separated the two of them and Elijah went up to heaven and what? A whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, and the chariots of horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw um, him no more. Then he, took his, then he took hold of his garments and he tore them in two. This basically means that Elisha is absolutely brokenhearted. See, he, he, listen to me. It's okay to be brokenhearted when a loved one goes to heaven. It's okay for us to be upset and disappointed, but we know where they're at. And Elisha was not upset because he had lost Elijah. Elisha was upset because he was probably scared to death that his master that he followed and was basically trailing behind all these years now has gone into heaven and here he sits by himself. Elisha then picked up the Elijah's cloak and it, that had fallen from, fallen from him. So when Elisha goes up into heaven, his cloak falls off and it drops to the ground and went back and stood at the banks of the Jordan. So here's Elisha. All of a sudden, Elijah's gone. He's in heaven. And the cloak is laying there on the ground. And we're gonna talk about this toward the end here in just a couple of minutes. Elisha looks at that cloak, picks it up, and now he walks over and he's standing before the Jordan on the other side. And the 50 prophets, the, the school of prophets, the 50 guys are watching all this. They didn't see Elijah, but now Elisha's standing back at the edge of the river. And he bent down and he picked that cloak up. What do you think he does next? Think about the picture of this. This had to be amazing. Could you imagine the noise and the ruckus that had to happen when a chariots of fire and horses of fire showed up and a whirlwind takes Elijah up and then all of a sudden it's like, Put yourself in Elisha's shoes for a second. You'd have to be thinking, what am I gonna do? I can tell you, I'd be thinking, what am I gonna do? And he looks down and he sees the cloak and he picks it up and he goes back to the Jordan and he's standing there next to the Jordan and he took the cloak that had fallen from Elisha and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided from the right to the left and he crossed over. And it says the company of prophets from Jericho were watching and said the spirit of Elijah is now resting on Elisha and it says they bowed down to him. So when you look at all this, I wanna break some of that down at the end of that because I wanna look back at Elisha now and I wanna look at how he followed Elijah. And I really, if you guys get nothing out of this tonight other than this, I want to be a steady disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ all of my days. Have you ever lived a life of unsteadiness before the Lord? 
the ins and outs, the ups and downs. I'm in, I'm out, I'm roller coastering ride, and I'm going back to the ships. I'm going back to my plows. I'm going back to my old way of life. I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. And I turn around and I go the other direction. And I'm a disciple for a while. I'm a follower for Christ for a while. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I'll get back and I get selfish and I want to do things my way. And I turn around and I go back to the plows again. That's why it's so important for you guys to burn the plows like Elisha did. Don't go back. Don't go, you got to go back to your old life or what's back there? Other than what you want, nothing's there. And if your heart's desire is the Lord, keep your eyes fixed on him. I want you to have a strong desire to be like Elisha and to be a steady prophet and follow no matter what the cost. Elisha's, the first thing here we see is Elisha's devotion. Elisha's devotion, he is a good, a good disciple, is devoted and consistently following his rabbi or his teacher. So the example that Elisha sets for us in this we've been talking about, Elisha was determined to stay with Elijah to the end. No matter what, to the end. Are you? Think about your walk with the Lord. Are the plows still there? Are the ships still out, 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 in, out in the ocean where you can swim back out to the ships and go home, go back to the old life? Or are you determined and devoted that no matter what, I'm following the Lord. It doesn't matter. I'm going that direction. I want you guys to read Acts chapter, uh, chapter 2 of Acts, verse 42, because it says the, 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 the apostles were devoted, or the disciples were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. If you ever want to know what you should be devoted to, those things right there, which I don't have time to get into much tonight, that's what it is. The apostles' teaching is what? The Bible. Fellowship is this. And the breaking of bread is communion, hanging out together, having meals with one another, spending time together. Elijah was testing Elisha. In verses 2, 4, and 6, you see Elijah by going, I've got to go to Bethel, you stay here. I've got to go to Jericho, you stay here. I've got to go to the Jordan, you stay here, he would say to Elisha. And every single time, what did Elisha say? No, I'm not leaving you. I can't help but wonder. It seems that's not disobedience, you guys, because this is, you see, Elijah testing Elisha's devotion. Because I still think that Elisha had to hear that story, and he's like, I'm not leaving. There's no way. It'd be like all your small group leaders in here, you guys. Why would you come back? That's what they're here for. Like we talked about last week, they're here to lead you. So you see this. He kept, what, he, what Elisha did is he kept his commitment from 1 Kings chapter 19. He kept his commitment to Elijah to follow him because he said, I, I'm going to go back and kiss my father and mother, burn the plows, and I'm going to follow you. He kept that commitment. And I want you guys to realize how many times Think about your walk again. How many times have you made that commitment and broken it because you haven't burned the plows yet, because you haven't burned the ships, because there's still somewhere for you to go back to? There was nowhere else for Elisha to go other than to follow Elijah. So you see that in there, and I'll let you guys read the rest of that later on in your bulletin. A good disciple has the desire, the desire to stay faithful, and because of their faithfulness, they will receive a reward. And I want to read this to you from James chapter Chapter 1 of James, verse 12. This is such a pretty picture. Think about Elisha and think about staying devoted to the end. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials. Having stood the test, of, having stood the test that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. Stay faithful. See, his faithfulness, he received a blessing because of his faithfulness. 
Elijah's desire, the number two thing, Elijah's desire, his faithfulness, because of his faithfulness, he received the spiritual blessing of getting to watch Elijah being taken to heaven in a whirlwind. And that idea when he said, when Elisha, when Elijah asked Elisha, what is it that you want? You followed me all this way, you stayed devoted, okay, what is it that you want? And Elisha said, I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit. The word inherit there means something in this part. I want you guys to get this because you're going to hear a lot of teaching on this that I think is wrong personally over the years. A lot of people will say he wanted a double portion of Elijah's spirit so he could do twice as much as Elijah did. That's not true. And how we know that is the word inherit is from Deuteronomy. I think it's chapter 21 of Deuteronomy where the firstborn son inherits a double portion of the dad's wealth. And then everybody else in the family, all the other sons, get what's left over. So to be a double portion meant this. Elisha wanted to be known as Elijah's spiritual son. He wanted a double portion of what Elijah did, but what he wanted was an inheritance of being known as Elisha, Elijah's spiritual son. Here's a question. Do you want to be known as a child of the king? Think about your day at school. Think about your day in sports. Do you want to be known as a child of the king? See, because when we become Christians, we're a child of the king, and his name's Jesus. Do you want to be known as a child of God? Because if you do, you'll live your life differently that way. So when you look at that idea of being inherit, inherit something, that's what he inherited. A good disciple also has the foresight to ask for a spiritual blessing. Listen to me. Life, young people, look at me. Please hear my heart. <clears throat> I want you guys to realize this, and this is not discouraging. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm not trying to be like um, negative. Life is going to kick the snot out of you as you live it. Adults, at times, life is gonna drag you through a stinking knothole, and you're not gonna know what to do. You're, gonna, you're not gonna know up from down at times in your life as you grow up. Things are gonna happen, health issues are gonna come up, financial issues are gonna come up, job issues are gonna come up. I, people always ask me, Dan, how you doing? I say, well, you know what? The world kicks the snot out of me, but I'm doing pretty good because God takes good care of me. It's not easy. See, Elijah knew what he was up against. Elisha, or I should say, Elisha knew what he was up against. He'd walked with Elijah. He knew what it was gonna be like to be the prophet of Israel when Elijah was taken up to heaven. And he knew he needed a spiritual blessing. What he asked Elijah for was a spiritual blessing, not a worldly gift. If God came up to you tonight and said, what do you want? What can I give you? Faithful one, what is it that I can bless you with? What would you ask for? Would it be an earthly-minded thing or a spiritually-minded thing? I don't know the answer to that, but that's up to you to kind of try to figure that out. He also, a, a, a good disciple has the foresight to actually ask for a spiritual blessing, and what he was asking for was for the Holy Spirit to be upon him like the Holy Spirit was upon Elijah so that he could live his life to God's glory. I pray that we are the same way. I pray that we have a desire to be led by the Holy Spirit of God and to have the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you know how you get that? Ask, and God will give it to you. He, if you ask him, he'll give it. The last thing, and we'll close with this, Elisha's demonstration. A good, a good disciple demonstrates their faith. They live it out. They don't just talk about it. Faith without works is dead, according to James. So a good disciple, a good disciple like Elisha, 
demonstrates his faith. When he, took that, when he took that cloak and he reached down and picked it up and he struck the Jordan, he wasn't looking for information. He was looking for confirmation that the spirit of Elijah had rested on Elisha. That's what he was doing. When Elisha wraps up that cloak after Elijah had been taken to heaven and he whacked that water and he cried out, where is the God of Elijah? He wasn't looking for information like, where's God? He was looking for confirmation that God was now with him as he was with Elijah. And when you see the waters part, guess what? You, that's the confirmation that Elisha now had the spirit of Elijah on his life. The Holy Spirit was gonna lead him in everything that he did. But I got a question for you guys as we go through this. I want you to know, I don't quite know how to explain this. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Elijah goes to heaven, and now all of a sudden that cloak drifts to the ground. And now that cloak is laying there on the ground. Elisha had to remember the time when Elijah came up and threw the cloak on him. Elijah laid that cloak on Elisha at the beginning of 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, the cloak's laying there on the ground. That cloak re represented the calling. That cloak represented the power of God the Holy Spirit of God, that's what that cloak represented. Do you think Elisha stood there for a second and went, reeling back in his mind all the stuff that Elijah had been through? And being in ministry like Elijah, he went through some pretty tough times. Elisha, I think, had to stand there, look at that cloak for a second and say, do I really wanna pick it up? Do I really wanna bend down, pick that cloak up? Because when I pick that cloak up, I'm picking up the responsibility of living a spiritual life now in a way that my master did. So here's my question for you. And I hope God laid this on my heart earlier tonight, and it must be for somebody in the room. I don't know who. But as I was sitting at my desk earlier today, God laid this on my heart. Are you ready, you guys, each of you individually, are you ready to pick up the cloak yourself? And what I mean by that is, is in your bulletin, so you guys can read this later on. Are you ready to pick up the cloak yourself, the cloak of faith, and it not be your mom and dad's faith anymore, but it's yours. Because a lot of times when we grow up in Christian homes, we're Christians because our moms and dads are Christians. We've been great Christians. I've always been a Christian. I've always been that guy. I've always been that girl. I want to know tonight who in the room is still living on their mom and dad's faith. You've not made that decision yet for it to be your own. See, I think that cloak laying on the ground is for you. Several of you have made that decision where it is your faith, but there's gotta be somebody in this room tonight where you have not made the decision that I'm not doing this because my mom and dad say I have to. I'm doing this because I wanna be a faithful disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanna be saved by the blood of Jesus. I want this to be my faith, and from now on, I'm walking forward because I've bent down like Elisha, and I picked that cloak up by faith, and I whacked that Jordan River, and I'm gonna walk with God from now on not because my mom and dad are making me, but because it's a choice that I've made as a young man or woman to follow Christ. Turn to your small groups, talk about some of the questions. We'll come up and we'll close in just a few minutes. Okay, if I can have your attention back to the front of the room, we're just gonna close this up real quick tonight and then you guys can keep talking at your tables if you'd like, but here's my question for you. When we look at Elisha's life, like we've been talking about the last two weeks, when he, when he burnt the plows, there's nothing to go back to. He had no intent of going back to his old life. He was going to follow Elijah no matter what the cost. 
I want you guys to realize how boring Elisha's life had to be for probably six to 10 years of just following Elijah. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff happens all at once. We have to remember where we started because I'm sure there were times in Elisha's life when he's like, what am I doing? I'm just, I was rich. Remember, Elisha was a wealthy fella. I was rich, I had everything, and now I'm just following Elijah around. Not really doing much, just kind of hanging out, doing my life and living life following Elijah. But all of a sudden, life changed for him because at that time, he bent down and he picked up that cloak by faith. So I want us to really look at Elisha's life and the steadiness of the example that he shows us of being a disciple of Christ. It's one thing to give your life to Christ and to be saved, but to be a disciple of Jesus is a follower of Christ. And Jesus says, you are my disciple if you do what I command. There are ifs in the Bible, and I want you guys, when you read the Bible, to know that Jesus makes it very clear what it looks like to be his disciple. And I want you guys to, when you're reading the Bible, figure out what that looks like in your own life, but it's simply this. In your life, to be a disciple of Christ, is to, I heard it put this way, you guys might have heard me say this before. There's a study I did one time, it's called In the Dust of the Rabbi, to follow so closely behind the Lord that his, the dust from his footsteps gets on the top of your sandals. That's following the Lord. And it looks like this every day. Every day I make decisions to do spiritual disciplines so they become instinctive for me. Read my Bible, pray, spend time talking with God, worship music, whatever that looks like. But then as you live your life during the day, I want you to get in the rhythm of considering Christ in everything that you do. In everything. You're always, Paul says it this way, continual prayer constantly praying, and praying is what? Talking to God. So as you're living your life and you're walking along and you see things in the hallway at school or at home or in your athletics or whatever you're doing, I have to ask myself this question. Is what I'm about to do gonna harm or help my relationship with Christ? And if it's gonna help my relationship, then I walk with the Lord and I go that direction. I take my thoughts captive and I make them obedient to Christ. When temptations and thoughts come my way, 1 Corinthians 10 teaches us, I take that thought captive and then I make it obedient unto Christ. In other words, when a temptation comes and something's before me, I don't try to ignore it because I'm spending time thinking about what I'm trying to ignore, right? So I just take that thought captive and then I turn and go, Lord, I need your help with this. Take the thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That's the rhythm of your life, considering Christ, helping and harming my relationship with him, taking my thoughts captive and just thinking and spending time with the Lord like Elisha did with Elijah, we should be with Jesus. Constantly in communication, constantly in his presence, realizing he's there and he's leading me until I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, until I cross that threshold and I get to heaven. Does that make sense? Because he's the only one that's ever been there. He came back to show me the way. And if we're willing to follow him, we'll live a life that's very full because I think that's the way Elisha lived. So, okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. I'm grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to take and share with all the students and the leaders tonight what you've laid on my heart. And I, man, I've never read this scripture in this manner to watch Elisha's example of the steadiness of being a good disciple. Help us, Lord, to look at the example that you've given us in scripture and help us to learn and strengthen and deepen our walk with you. Because I know these students and all of us in this room love you with all of our hearts. We're not perfect like we talked about tonight, but we could have a perfect devotion for you, a perfect desire to follow you, and then may we demonstrate our faith. As you've demonstrated your love to us, may we demonstrate our love back to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you are dismissed. Have a great night, everyone.